1: white andy Lou. we have a special guest this week very special guest i i look warriors twitter
2: a lot of very smart people uh, this guy's been following for a long time because he actually you know you know i send out some tweets about you know some trolling jokes and stuff this guy this guy actually knows what he's talking about Sam. that's why that's this this Right here is what I'm excited for.
1: Coming up through the uh, the blogosphere reminds me <laughs> of a young Andy Lou. Hopefully he doesn't get sidetracked with oh, women yeah. and alcohol. Yeah. All, right. Yeah. all right, Just kidding, <laughs> Just kidding my man. Uh, Joe Buray. Joe, how you doing, my man?
3: I'm uh, doing good. I'm actually enjoying this three day break because, you know, there's nothing to write about. And I've been writing nonstop about the Warriors all season long, which is a good thing because there's a lot to write about. There's a lot to be happy about the Warriors. But yeah, just three-day break. It's been good. I'm just, I've just been chilling, watching other NBA games and watching a few Warriors clips from the Kings game, believe it or not. But yeah, nice. I'm doing good.
1: So before we get into it, assuming some of our listeners aren't frequenting your writing, where can they find you? Yep.
3: Uh, you can find me at my Twitter, at JoeViraiNBA. Uh, you can also find me at Golden State of Mind. I write regularly there. So that's pretty much it.
1: Nice. OK, I want to start on this. So um, you're one of our favorite people to read generally great combination of analysis and film work. You threw this tweet out last night. Uh, everyone's favorite train wreck from a Warriors perspective is the Lakers this year. You said that as I pull it up as we speak. um Warriors fans if you're if one. you're a top west team in the standings, I still don't think you'd want to run into the Lakers with a healthy Braun A D. Now, the Warriors are playing the Lakers a week from today or sorry, next weekend. And as it sits right now, Warriors are the two seed, decent chance that they may run into the Lakers early in the playoffs. So I feel like there's multiple layers to it. You want to walk us through why you feel this way?
3: <laughs> uh yeah. Kind of got for it but i'm not like when i tweeted that out i didn't mean that like for example the warriors encounter the lakers as the two seven matchup I um, don't necessarily think that the lakers will win i just don't think that you'd want to run into the lakers early on because they're the type of team that can get you like a tiring six seven games in the first round Um, similar to the way I feel about the Warriors matching up with the Grizzlies in the second round, most probably because the way they're just trying to grind you out and the way they tire you out over the course of a series that might not bode well for the likes of, let's say Steph, he might wear down in the playoffs as the, you know, as we go to the Western conference finals in the playoffs. So to me, I just want like for the Warriors, if, healthy Braun and AD are still on the table, which is, you know, we never know because AD has a history of injuries. Right. Braun isn't exactly young anymore, so they might break down as the season goes on. But if you get a healthy Braun and AD and you match up with them in the first round, they're the type of team who, you know, they may not spring the upset, but they're going to take you six or seven games.
2: I guess the, I, I agree. I, I tend to agree, um, especially if you have to go Lakers and then Memphis back to back. That's that's tough, right? You always rather play Minnesota and then Utah because those are even if they go six games, they're not the but. But you watch the Lakers this season, and I think the thing that stood out to me a lot is just how bad their defense is. So what do how do you think that they're gonna? Do you think it's just AD that kind of papers over a lot of those mistakes, especially just giving up open jump shots?
3: Well, you know the thing about AD that I see this season is that he's kind of like the Lakers Rudy Gobert this season if you think about it you know Ru- right. Rudy raises a lot of the mistakes that the Jazz make and you know the Jazz by design they they don't really they don't really sweat the point of attack stuff because they have Rudy on the perimeter but then you go into the playoff environment where uh, teams can just game plan for that over the course of a seven game series and I kind of see that with AD this season where uh, you know, it's not showing up in the regular season. Their defense is terrible, but uh, and he erases a lot of the mistake. Season. Yeah, yeah, he erases a lot of those mistakes that the Lakers make at the point of attack, and they don't really have the KCPs and the Alex Caruso's anymore to help them out on that end. So, uh, the way I see it, uh, if the Lakers go and go to the playoffs if they make it into the actual playoffs, I can see them having the same kind of Rudy Gobert problems because you, who are you playing with AD uh, behind the five, right? You can't exactly play uh, uh, TJ. uh, Dwight, he, he can, he can play minutes, but if you pair him up with AD that opens up a whole lot of other problems offensively, especially. And, you know, the ideal way to go is still AD at the five, but then you kind of, you kind of put all the, the defensive stress on him. So, uh, you know, who are you going to have at that, at the point of attack, are you going to have Malik Monk? You're going to have, you're going to have right. Russ. No way. Right. So, I mean, that's, so, that's, that's the way I see it. So I, like, I they're going to have that problem
1: to tie into it. I, I kind of agree with both of you guys in the, in the macro sense, a seven or eight seat typically doesn't have, a LeBron and AD like those are <laughs> those are players who are typically not on kind of like borderline playoff teams so just by default they're always going to be a little more dangerous than a Minnesota uh who else are we talking about like a Sacramento a uh oh God, that would be great Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I mentioned Sacramento but It'd technically they're like a game back from the plan so I, you know, it's always possible who, who, like,
2: yeah? If you look, <laughs> if you look at the East and the West, the playing game really lets anyone make the postseason. Like, you've really got to be Houston Rockets level, OKC level bad to not have a chance at the playing game. It's pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah, what whoever was saying, you know, we got cool playing games last year, but I think more years than not, you're going to be very annoyed by its existence. Or probably speaking the facts, because it's like right now, it's like Pelicans and Blazers. At 10, Jackson 11.
2: Hayes isn't bad. Tell you that. Hipster Hipster Lou
3: says Jackson. It's a slower sports Sunday when you're, you're bringing up the Jackson Hayes. The hipsters out there, Herb Jones. Yeah, <laughs> Herb
1: Jones. I think Sam really likes her. I have a feeling that he really likes Herb Jones. Obviously, I'm a Herb Jones guy. Uh, <laughs> what I was gonna say to the Laker point though, um, I talked with you about this offline, Joe, and I, I want to get your your thought on it. Do you feel like this year point of attack defense? is even more – it's always important in the sense of, like, obviously if you can't stop the guy from driving, like you've compromised your whole defense. But I feel like with the rule changes that have gone into effect this year or just real emphases, and the amount of three-pointers every team shoots. Like, at this point, if you're not shooting 35 to 40 a game, you're behind the eight ball. Pretty much every team that matters shoots that many. Point of attack defense is so valuable that, like, I, I agree with you. Anthony Davis is probably the best room protector in the NBA. Like he's up there, but he's not a miracle worker. If, if your point of attack isn't providing resistance, yeah, he'll make the first rotation, but then you make a pass. And then next thing you know, Steph Curry has a wide open shot in the corner because Russell Westbrook or Malik Monk fell asleep. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, in my view, it's not really just the, um, the rule changes. I think everyone saw what happened to Utah over these past few years. And they're Fair like, enough. you know, we're, it's not enough to have someone just help you out in the back line and erase everything that you do. You got to have those point of attack defense guys. And uh, we talked about this uh, offline. Yeah. When we mentioned the uh, the Warriors rim frequency allowed right they're, they they yeah. allow the least amount of shots at the rim. Without having that bona fide rim protector, they don't have someone who can just block yeah. shots at will, almost like a Gobert, right? I mean, we've got ground bound Kevon Looney as our backline defense, and we're we're like we're allowing the least amount of shots at the rim. And if you dig at the numbers, actually, they're they're not really up there in terms of the field goal percentage in the rims at the rim. They're they're below average, I think, but. It's for them. It's all about prevention, rather than a cure, in right. terms of their defense, right? So, and the amazing thing about that is they've been maintaining that identity even without Draymond on the floor. So that's the amazing part, right? And that speaks to the culture. That speaks to, uh, you know, give credit to Mike Brown for being the guy who, you know, I'm guessing the philosophy behind his defense is to try to prevent the shot from being taken in the first place and where the stats start at the point of attack. So and you know, even if the even if you look at the Warriors defense, like even the guys who you don't really see as the stoppers, the bona fide right. stoppers, like I don't know, let's put Steph in that category. Although he's been good, he's been better this year. Right. Uh who's even the Damian Lee, like people like that, they've been making the rotations. They know where to go if there's a breakdown. And, you know, the the breakdowns happen It's how you respond to that at the back line on the weak side, the rotations. And they've been pretty near perfect in that aspect.
2: I I think there's an argument to your point about kind of the Lakers is that in the postseason, you can still have great defenders, but have that not really matter when you're playing against us. What what made the Lakers successful two seasons ago? Right. It it, it is successful because they revolve their entire team around those two guys. And, you know, they fucked up because they didn't, they traded for us because they wanted to um, not have to shoulder enough offense for the season. Right. And that's taken away from everything. Now they lost defense. They lost winning players. They lost Pat. They lost all of that. But if they go back to just playing around those two guys and just let LeBron handle the ball in the postseason and have AD cover up mistakes, I think you're right because a lot of it is going to be. It, 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 I think you make a point that the Warriors' point of attack defense is great, but I think some of that is negated when you are guarding someone like LeBron. Like some of a lot of that just matters less when you're going to have like Gary Payton is great, Andrew Wiggins is great, uh, Andre Iguodala is great. But like if you're in the postseason and it's a slow it down 93 to 91 type of game, but less possessions plus yeah. But let me give you it's a just going to be harder.
1: I agree with your. I agree with you philosophically. I don't understand how the Lakers would ever slow the Warriors down, though. Um, <laughs> if this was the 2020 Lakers, first off, right. that team would not be in the playing game. Uh, but second off, um, that team has the ability to stop the Warriors from getting in transition, right? And that's like one of the things that when you look at this Warriors team, who's the best transition defense in the NBA? statistically, I mean, the eye test will tell you this too, but statistically it's the Warriors. They, um, they prevent teams from getting into transition at pretty much the best frequency of anyone. And then when they do get into transition, they they don't score at the same clip. Meanwhile, the Lakers, yeah, they have... Anthony Davis is individually a better defender than anyone on the Warriors. Like, he just is. But it doesn't matter if you're running on them all the time. Like he can't chase down everything. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh. Um and that's where it's it's really funny to watch them because <laughs> it, you don't think there's a lot of value in a KCP or Alex Caruso. Alex no, Caruso. Or well, like don't. on the, on the Warriors side, a GP2. You don't realize the value of those players or Wiggins until they're gone, until you realize what it's like to actually play three I didn't want to say bad defenders on the perimeter just like slow defenders on the perimeter right like Russell Westbrook Malik Monk those type of guys are just guys who are actively a second slow on every rotation it's just different than watching you know um, Gary Payton the second Clay Thompson obviously uh, Wiggins we can keep going down the line the Warriors if anything have way too many of those guys but you know it's not a bad thing
3: uh, it's also like if you consider the lakers offense it hasn't historically been even very, when very they won elite. right
2: even when yeah even
3: when they won it's it hasn't been like up the it's been okay but their offense this year has been really subpar and also the injuries and the missed time has a lot to do with that and you consider the fact where they miss a lot of shots they're going up against a non uh have uh, in transition and they don't have a set defense, so if you don't have defenders who can make up for that if d- deficiency on offense and defenders right. who know how to set up a defense in transition, then that's all the more pronounced, right? Like you don't expect Russ to know what to do in transition defense compared to a KCP <laughs> or a Caruso, right? So. That's no, the don't. thing of like their offense hasn't been good this year. And that's also been feeding back into their lack of good transition D and lack of good D overall.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're going to be dangerous for having two of, I don't know, the eight or so best players in the NBA and like, you know, one of the best of all time. Like they're, they're going to be dangerous by default for having that, but like the the construct of their team if the Warriors are healthy, I'm not particularly concerned about it. Um, with that said, you know they're always. I said this on our preseason preview. I don't like this roster. They're two tweaks away from me being kind of concerned about they're, the Warriors. Like, hey, they're they're a couple days away from figuring it out. <laughs> when's when's the true? Well, well, they, they can't trader? trade Russ. They can't trade Russ. All right, I mean, let's. let's here, here's the here's the pivot. Okay. Trade deadline's Thursday. So let's let's get back to the Warriors. We spent way too much time in the Lakers. We're way too respectful to them. Andy, get your jokes out now.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
4: You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, so the Warriors are 40 and 13. They are they have the second best record in the NBA. Draymond's out right now. Forget what you think they will do. Do you think they should be doing anything at the trade deadline, Joe?
3: <laughs> well, you know, the, you know the th- the thing is, you know, all the talk is about how they need another big because their big right. man depth is pretty decimated right now. But uh, my question is to anyone who who says that, okay, you need to trade for a big. My question is, who? You know, it's not exactly. Uh, it's not exactly a thriving big man market out there in terms of trades, in terms of even the buyouts. Like, I don't know, maybe something will change when the buyout stuff will come. But I don't see who they can trade for. And if there is someone out there, you also have to consider will that big be a fit into that warriors, that intricate warrior system, you know? But I don't no, know. I, I think I think I think for me right now. Uh, I think they should stay put for now. I guess I just because I don't know who what move they can make at this point.
2: So your second point is I think the the that's the one um, you can trade for Miles Turner, and but and you know, you the even Warriors even- the Warriors won't do it. No, the Warriors won't do it. But you know maybe sure. they can attach some salary and figure out. I mean, they won't do it. I probably would not I just want Again, to. I just want to. How salary even work? You got to put. Let me let me in, let, let me walk you together? through that you one. You got to put
3: Wiggins in that trade. I well, think just to match it. I think. I
1: actually, um, I'm I'm gonna. pull oh, you it it. Okay, I you did because I'm okay. I'm a weirdo because um, <laughs> you
2: knew I because you knew I would bring it up.
1: This is yeah. Super, so let, yeah, let's is. say let's say the war. Okay, so Indiana clearly looks like they're gonna go fire sale. Yeah. Which means Miles Turner and maybe even Sabonis are available. Two really good centers. Because of how much money they make, you have two routes. You go what Joe's saying, which is trade Wiggins, and now you got a hole at the small forward position. Yeah, it's not going to happen yet. And you're like, you're, you're, it's a no. like whack-a-mole. You're replacing one it's, problem with another. He's an all-star, Sam. He is an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is, okay, let's say you don't want to trade Wiggins. You would have to trade Wiseman plus mm-hmm. one of Looney, Kuminga, or Moody just to make the contracts work. Like, this isn't like Indiana's gonna, you know, rake you over the coals. This is like legitimately, you cannot construct a trade that works legally without Wiseman plus one of those two. So, what you're really talking about is like, you're really gonna trade Wiseman and Looney for one center? Like, you, I thought you didn't have enough bigs. Now you're gonna have even less, or it's
2: one center for one center, you know, the other one, not (laughs) complaining.
1: Or, you know, there's obviously the crazier point, which is like, I love Miles Turner. Am I really giving up the number two pick last year and the number seven pick this year? Who looks, by the way, like he could be a future superstar with time for, for Miles Turner. So, like, it's just, it, it's it's difficult for the Warriors to, because they don't have many mid sized contracts.
2: Yeah. And, and even if they make that trade, which they won't, that would require Miles Turner. <laughs> I feel very confident saying they wouldn't do that in 20 games to realize how to play the Warriors system. And the, and that's kind of the the point that Joe is making is we have no idea if Miles Turner could do it. Who, he probably doesn't even want to do it because Miles Turner not going to average twenty points in the system. Now, if it's, it's currently
1: hurt, also by the way, yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah, same as the other guy. Um, you know, if they were to get a buyout guy, though, you know, I like to throw Marcus All out there because I've loved him all my life. Like, he doesn't have to learn the system. He could probably he can probably play in this offense tomorrow. <laughs> Forever Giants, Andy Lu, just always chasing guys in their mid thirties. <laughs> washed, you know, completely washed. But he, hey, look, man, Mark will give Mark will give the Warriors a solid twelve minutes game. I will tell you that.
3: <laughs> when Clay, pretty, when Clay, pretty much said, you know, they you need a washing machine. I think that's pretty much like him being a mouthpiece for the front office saying, "Oh, we're not going to do anything." So,
1: yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think they're they're going to say we're listening, just because you never know if someone's going to get insane. But I think if there is a move to be made, and I, I don't even think this is, it's going to be in the buyout market because at least then it's um, okay, someone who's good is bought out. And now you're talking about like, do we want to cut Bialitza or Damian Lee? Or it's at least a one for one swap. But that's kind of until we see what trades go down, I can't imagine anyone in the buyout market mattering for the Warriors. Like you never know. But it doesn't. It doesn't seem like last year when we knew guys were getting bought out that it's going to happen this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Tying which in, is which is by the way crazy because I think
2: the Warriors before the season, not just not just you and I, but I think the Warriors veterans wanted them to to make trades and 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 make these moves. And it's crazy that it's 40 50 games later they're just like, yeah, we're good. Sometimes, we're
1: sometimes, sometimes you catch fire. Sometimes things work out better than you expect. Um Are you, let's get back to what you were saying, Joe, um, or what you brought up. Are you concerned about the Warriors' big man depth? Like, you brought up the case of how the team views it, and I think you're 100% accurate, but you personally, are you worried about their big man depth?
3: Probably not to the same extent as most people are, because I think when push comes to shove, the Warriors will play small. Well, they'll use that identity they've always had, which is to, play fast, play quick. They'll count on getting stops on the, on the defensive end and run in transition, uh, speed up things. And I know in the playoffs, I know what Andy mentioned, like things slow down and such. But, you know, Draymond at the five, I think, is still their best bet in terms of, you know, just getting everything in full speed in, in and offensively. Uh, It's been a proven formula and it's been a proven formula all throughout the season playing small. So I'm counting on them to, you know, hopefully Draymond will be healthy. Uh, Like how many games are left once he comes back around 2015, I'm guessing if, yeah. Yeah. And you know, his downtime, he'll spend that in rehab and recuperating. And, you know, I'm pretty confident that Draymond will be fresh for the stretch run in the playoffs. So, I'm still I'm still putting all of my cards in them, playing small for most of the time, and Looney will hold down all the traditional five minutes. So, and Looney's been pretty good. Shout out,
1: shout out birthday and boy, Kevin Looney. By the way,
3: <laughs> yeah, he's been pretty healthy too. Like, would you imagine, like, at the start of the season, like, which of the war, which of the warriors will play the entire, what forty, forty plus games, like all of the games so far? You wouldn't say Kevon Looney, so. I just, yeah. I
2: just think they're. My thing is, I, I know and I get and I want them to go with the Draymond at five when it really matters. But you still do have to make it through the next forty games. And look, Draymond. I mean, uh, Kevon Looney has been Iron Man and he's been incredible. But man, you are playing with fire. Like fire. Yeah. I, I get. I he get. The, to- I, and look at him. He's hurt now. Um, but like, I, I get the wing stuff. Like you're, you're not going to get a wing. You know, even if the Batum gets brought up a lot, although I don't think the Clippers are doing a fire sale, they look like they just want to—they want to make the playing game. Like they just never want to tank. I think it's incredible. I think they're like, yeah. No, one,
1: no one can read if they're building for next year. or They think everyone's coming back. And they're going to P, go like PG is going to be back. Like, don't don't
2: be a of a, they'll I be kind of
1: a, I kind of respect how they're keeping it close to the vest. Right
2: I love now.
3: it.
1: I
2: love it. <laughs> but the problem is like they're not going to get a wing that's better than you know their ninth ninth man wing right right now most likely, and so I just think man, it's tough seeing Kavon play 30 minutes a night every night or 28 minutes a night. I just – it would make me
1: feel a little better because I, I just – I don't know. Bielitsa is so bad. He's so bad defensively. Spoke, and he, <laughs> spoken like a dude who's the only center on every pickup team he plays on. <laughs> the only one that wants to bang is, is, the, is really the problem. <laughs> Bielitsa
2: not banging down there. So it would be nice. It would be nice. But I'm with Joe. It's just like they don't really need much and there isn't actually much for them to get out there. Right, um, in the in in it definitely the trade deadline, but maybe even the buyout market. Kevin, Kevin Love's not going anywhere now. They're, yeah, they they went guys, went guys,
1: in. we were um guys we were thinking might be available. Like remember the beginning of the season, we're like, you know, Cleveland's probably not going to be good. Yeah. Rubio, Kevin Love could be buyout candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, shout out shout out Cleveland by the way, everyone's favorite league pass team. Yep, um,
2: Harris Levert. They even they get even more fun, although I don't know how good he is. But I don't actually, know if he makes
1: him more fun, but he's not as bad as Sexton. So, <laughs> You're so right. It's, it's, it's,
0: at least we got it's a
3: lot. Saw, I mean, saw a graphic earlier where he had the best isolation scorers, and Darius Garland <laughs> was the best, and Steph was right behind him. So, yeah. you know, just saying, you know, Steph disciple Darius Garland, two of the best isolation scorers. And, right. and you know. And, and they don't ISO your...
1: enough to make either fan base happy. <laughs>
3: Yeah, like a trademark like underneath the comments, like I expected at Steve Kerr, I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> at Steve Kerr on the comments.
1: Oh. <laughs> I, I have
3: I,
2: a yeah, I was
1: gonna say I have a, i have a I have a, a hipster take, which is I, I would take Darius Garland over Trey Young. But uh but Are I don't you know David? if this is the plan. I mean should I agree with you. Yeah, well, you're hipster, too dude. you? Yeah,
2: Joe, Joe, your <laughs> thoughts on that? Because I, you watch, a, you watch a lot of basketball. Your thoughts on that?
1: Just watch Trey Young today uh, away against Luka Doncic. I mean, Trey's phenomenally talented, <laughs> but it's 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 purely a mentality. Leader,
3: leader. Uh, you know, um, you like, know. Oh. I still, I still think, I still think Trey is a better player. But you know, if you had someone like you know how. You know, Trey was compared to Steph early on because of the right. the shooting, the long range shooting, and whatnot. Although the numbers aren't as close, you know, in terms of the shooting, uh, you know, there's Garland. You like him for the fact that he's much closer to Steph stylistically than Trey is. So, you know, if you're looking for a true Steph disciple, I would say Garland is the closer one compared to Steph, uh, compared to Trey.
1: I would I would agree with you there. I also agree with you. Trey's like it's it's hard to say because he's he's absurdly talented, and it's just about him maturing in terms of decision making. But anyway, that's a different podcast. We're going to discuss that now. We're discussing the we're discussing the <laughs> Warriors. I know it's Sunday night and it's hipster time.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
4: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app
0: and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: I want to last topic of the show. Warriors have won eight in a row going into Monday. And I'm a little surprised at how well they've played without Draymond. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with me on that one. I sent you guys the numbers on it. Are you shocked at how well they're playing without Draymond
3: Green? Uh I'm shocked for the fact that their defense hasn't really experienced a massive drop off. Uh, they were always going to win against the Indiana's. Well, they didn't win against Indiana, but Ironically, against the Houston's the and the Sacramentos. Win, eh? <laughs> yeah, against the Houston's and the Sacramentos of the world they're, without Draymond. But I'm surprised that their defense is held up pretty much, you know. And that's like we said this before, that's a testament to the culture they've built up. Uh shout out to Mike Brown for being the defensive coordinator. I didn't know, I don't even know how they had Mike Brown as the offensive coordinator for like the past few years. Oh and my god, that's such a good one. <laughs> it's crazy yeah, they how sp- they finally yeah, Steve Two. Yeah, they switch them over to defense, and then their defenses look really, really amazing, right? And you know, I I've I've I think it was Andy who mentioned this before, like last season, they finished in fifth, but you know, that's kind of like a fake, the fake defensive year or something like that. Yeah. But this year, you can't get legit. stops.
1: So that matters. What does it matter? what your defensive
3: rating is? Right? Yeah. That's the thing, right? If you're a legit defensive team, it's not about the numbers throughout the season. It's all, it's like the situational defense. Like, can you get stops at this point of the game and clutch time, et cetera, et cetera. And they've been doing that this season. Yeah. And I tweeted something out about them being like, First in the defensive rating against the top 10 offenses in the league. And that's pretty telling, right? Because that's legit against the top 10 offenses. And they've been that identity of them not allowing a lot of shots to rim, that's held pretty much against the top 10 offenses, the second in rim frequency against them. And, you know, that's just it. I think it's just that culture yeah. of defense where it goes beyond Draymond, just Draymond.
2: To, to your point, I mean, it goes back to to your point. They have point of deta- point of attack defenders that I think are up and down the roster that are, um, how should I say it, smart, not dumb. Uh, they don't foul, they don't make mistakes, right? Like uh, Kelly Oubre and Ken Bay's more easy to make fun of, but you know they they are decent defenders. But as team in team defense and not fouling and just not getting back cut and just all these little things that. That's why the coaches love Kamal Looney. Like he might not get 15 blocks a game, he might not have highlights, but dude, he never makes a mistake on defense. And that's all these guys. Andrew Wiggins very rarely makes a mistake on defense. GP2, well, he does have a lot of highlights, but he doesn't make mistakes on defense. Um, Andre Iguodala got brought back, and whenever he plays, right, it just up and down the roster. Even Jordan Poole is not. Jordan Poole's not terrible defense. I want to tie too, um, I want to like tie that, this that's in. big thing.
1: Yeah. I want to tie this into the point you guys made earlier, and I think Joe made it where it's like the Warriors whole defensive philosophy is we're not giving you easy shots. We're not giving you shots at the rim. Uh, We're not giving you open threes. We're going to contest things. And you know what, if you cook us on 18 footers, like, you know, good, good for you. Right. Like, yeah, we're going to take our chances that you're not going to do that like four out of seven times. Right. Which by the way is why the nets are kind of scary, but they're, if they exist, they'd be scary anyway.
2: to everyone. Right. That's the thing.
1: Right? Yeah. But, like, if they exist.
2: <laughs> anyway, we'll see by Thursday.
1: Anyway, getting back to, getting back to the point. Um, it reminds me so much of like baseball. I don't know if Joe's a baseball guy, but like, you know how like the giants and the A's just love to sign pitchers who their whole thing is we keep it in the ballpark. We don't give up home runs. Right. It's that sort of thing. And there's like a ceiling for that entire philosophy, which is like when you get to the higher level talent, you got to make a play. And I'm wondering, I'm not sure the Warriors don't have a higher level defensive ceiling, you know, because like we know Draymond does if he's healthy. Um, I'm not sure Wiggins, Gary Payton, the second clay, those type of guys can't play defense to an advantage. Like they're not just playing a shell defense, trying to, quote-unquote work you into an inefficient shots like i do think that they have the defensive versatility to actually play to an advantage
3: going forward i like that one. well well yeah i mean uh you know the defensive versatility has been showing all throughout the season i mean you can count like how many different kinds of looks they've given opponents and they tailor they tailor their defensive schemes based on the opponents they play like they whipped out a box and one against uh, a trade against Zach Levine. They whipped out the triangle in two against uh, KD and Harden. And then they've been playing zone a lot this season. And then they switched back they to man-to-man. Man. Yeah. They've been playing zone a lot with GP. Lot. GP2 was in that head, like that top, the one in the one, two, two. Right. And that's, that's been an underrated part of their zone. It's like GP being that one guy who defends up top and in box and one being that one, who defends the uh, the scorer or the main guy on yeah. on the other end. So it's just the, the defensive versatility. They're not sticking to one scheme. Um per possession, they play something different. Uh, you know, like you see Steve Kerr, he had that, he has that like obvious play call for a zone where he holds up those two fists. And you know, it's just that that's the thing about Steve Kerr. He's been more active in terms of those callouts this season, calls yes. all those ATOs. Uh, defense and whatnot, so...
1: I'm not going to get you in trouble. I'm not going to get you in trouble for this one, but I feel like that's the thing I've noticed, too. Uh, Andy, do you agree with me? This is the most active you've seen Steve Kerr since 2015? right, 100%. Since his back was... Since
2: before his back was hurt. No. (laughs) Like, I just... Last season, it felt like... And I noticed it more offensively. I mean, it sounds like you guys noticed it defensively. But for me, it just... Just And I don't know because we can't hear him, but last season he was just completely content with sitting there all game, like Phil Jackson. Like he thought he was a pseudo, you know, modern day Phil Jackson. Like, hey, like I got some vets on this team. I'm going to let them do whatever they do. That, said, or, no. that
1: or maybe he was disgusted by Red Fred was.
2: <laughs> He's just like, no, nah, I can't deal with this shit, which is also like pretty fair too. Like Steve, like the thing about him is like he knew – which is funny because in the preseason when he was all waxing unpoetically about this team and the expectations that you're supposed to have and how it's supposed to be bad, like he knew they were not supposed to be good. And I think like a lot of us were just like, I mean, yeah, but at least look like you're giving a shit out there. And this season, and I've never seen him happier. This is why in the post-game conference when I saw him smiling after uh, when Steph didn't play, Draymond Clay didn't play against the San Antonio Spurs, I was like, oh, I've never seen this guy happier. You talk about a hipster, like this guy saw Chris Chioza go out there and put up numbers. And I, I swear it looked like he thought he won a
1: finals game. When Derry Weatherspoon with a oh. key defensive stop, just, oh, that's, that's Steven in a nutshell. That's, yeah. he's a purist. <laughs> he's a purist. He loves hoop. Um, to, to get back to Joe's point, I want to end on this question here. Let's end here. Do you think, so do you think this team has more offensive or defensive versatility going into the playoffs? Like what, what do you think? Cause we all acknowledge playoff series are about adjustments. Everyone's, everyone's going to try to take away kind of your, your first option. So it's about how much you can adapt and kind of get to other
3: stuff as the series goes on. I'm leaning more toward defensive versatility just because of the personnel and the schemes that they have like you can throw a lot of different people at let's say superstar a. Uh, you can throw a GP or a wigs or uh maybe let's say a clay if he's he has his legs back uh Draymond. uh just because of the different personnel that they have and the different looks that could give uh, other teams, I think the defensive versatility wins out uh, offense, you know, yeah, like a lot of people have criticized. I would say the motion offense is something that you'll have to change up in the playoff environment. Um, but yeah, I feel like the defense is already there; it's playoff level. Uh, and yeah, the numbers show it. Their offense kind of needs something new, and we've been we, we've we've seen that lately in the games where they're running a lot more pick and roll. You know when they empty out that corner, they run that handoff action with Looney and Steph on the side. You know they've been trying to mix it up because they needed they needed to mix it up because that offense was on a free fall. It was falling to like 13th, 15th, I think, in offensive rating when it was as high as up like two earlier in the season. And Draymond has a lot to do with that Draymond being out. But we've already seen the offense kind of fall a bit, like coinciding with Steph's slump uh, after that Phoenix that first Phoenix game where. I think, you know, Suns kind of figured something out about the Warriors and everyone else just kind of took off with that. So, yeah, defense is where they're hanging their identity right now.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, the sneaky thing about those championship 14, 15, 16 teams was, yeah, they got the Splash Brothers and motion offense was pretty, but that those defenses were elite. I mean, the switching defenses were incredible and really changed the way that team is played. Draymond at the five, obviously. So I think defensive versatility is not even close. I, I, I would think partly, yeah, it's partly because Steve's not going to go. Have pick and roll?
1: Also, <laughs> just it's just not. It's like, look at the last handful of champions. Can you think of a team who wasn't great defensively? Like most teams kind of ride with, this is what we do on offense and we're going to live with kind of the, the peaks and valleys of it. Like for the Warriors, it's like, you know what, like we're expecting Steph and clay to hit a certain amount of shots, but what we can control is having a roster that can defend everything and slow the opponent down to go with it. You know, if you want to talk about like the Milwaukee bucks, their entire identity is like, all right, we're, we're going to feed Giannis, maybe a little Middleton, you know, side pick and roll action off of that, but we're gonna defend the hell out of you. And we're just gonna ride with that, right? And I think that's probably the best formula going forward. Like, you know, end of the day, if Steph and Clay don't hit enough shots, so be it, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. But like y- you don't want to get into a game where it's like 130, 129, and no one can get a stop. And it's just like who has the ball last in their hands?
2: Well could could be good if you have Steph with the
1: ball. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm messing with you. I get the point. It I, is
2: fun every now and then. <laughs> well, I think if, if you have Reggie... I mean, sorry, I'm Reggie. I just, <laughs> I just watch Reggie Jackson go in the game. Um, if you if you have Steph with the ball in his hands at the end of the game, I'm okay with that. But I think... Um, this is why I'm not that worried about the Phoenix Suns. Like, yes, I'm worried. Like, They could lose to the Phoenix Suns. But I don't see this, like... I don't see this juggernaut team that's a heavy favorite against the Warriors. That's, I don't think that's the Suns to me. Like, I think a lot of what Chris Paul does... And how successful he is offensively is very regular season-esque. It's very like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of bad defenses and dumb players in an 82-game season where people just aren't that good.
1: And that's not
2: going to happen.
1: Or just non-mistakes. Like Chris Paul is a lot of things, but he rarely makes mistakes. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, if we play this game, I will have one turnover, and you'll probably have four. You know, like that type of stuff, yep. right? Like yep. he just—I mean—he's a good player. Um, But yeah, no, it, it's it's fun. Let's get let's get one before we get Joe off here. I appreciate you. Give me one trade deadline prediction because it's trade deadline Ooh. week, silly season week. Give me your one. It's not. It doesn't even be Warriors related. Just give me one prediction.
3: I would say. I would say James Harden is not a Brooklyn Net anymore ooh, by the time trade deadline <laughs> is wow. over.
1: I like it, Andy. You go next. Wow.
2: Wow. It sounds it sounds like he's not I think I think the Lakers make a big move. I don't know how they do it. I may be paying too much respect to the. Actually, I'm not because the move might not fucking work. But I think they I, I think they do something. Jeremy Grant, maybe they figure that out. Maybe they figure out Sabonis, that would be funny. I don't think so. But like doesn't they resolve they any of their issues. Doesn't. Yeah. Hey, but isn't that what the Lakers are good for? They just get guys that they resolve nothing. Uh, you know, John Wall, maybe they flip Russ for John. I got him laughing just thinking about it. But I think the, like, they those, have to. Those two got to you know,
3: be traded
1: back, and forth,
2: just back and forth.
3: They're the only two tradable contracts. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's how it is,
2: man.
1: Oh, my
2: God. I think, but I think they do something. They have to.
1: All right, my prediction. Okay, so I think Portland's gonna tear it down a little bit. So CJ's that's, gone. That, that's that's not, right. That's, a good that's call. not a that's not exciting. Yeah. My exciting prediction is Phoenix makes a move to their top end of their rotation. Whether it be Eric Gordon or um trading DeAndre Ayton, I think oh. they're gonna I think they're gonna do something in the top half of the rotation. I'm not positive if it's good or bad. But I think Phoenix is going to make a trade. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause. Sam Sources doesn't just say shit like trade DeAndre Ayton. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm just reading tea leaves. They don't want to extend him for what he wants to be extended
3: Starting for. Starting center, Bismack Biombo.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I would bet on more of an Eric Gordon move. I just think Phoenix, okay, one of the Warriors contenders, one of the teams the Warriors are going to have to go through to win a title which is what we ultimately care about maybe right?
2: memphis maybe memphis
1: yeah my money is on phoenix making a trade uh because we don't think the warriors will someone they're gonna go through and i'm gonna say phoenix is gonna make a trade and let's see how it plays out now that i've said it i guarantee you those sam getting happen. sam getting very spicy i love that <laughs> it's a perfect way to end this week's i mean the warriors have a couple
2: games wow what a great way to end this week's uh show joey uh we appreciate you man thanks for
1: coming on